So do you all know that? The answer lies within. That's what we're talking about today. That's what actually this whole series is about uh, from um, Wendy Craig Purcell's book, Ask Yourself This. You know, it's about asking the right questions so that the wisdom that is within us can help us to open our hearts, expand our minds, and awaken the soul. And so today we're talking about our inner genius. How many of you have found and discovered your inner genius? A few hands. A few hands, right? It's like, ooh, genius? I don't know about that, right? So I'm hoping to convince you today that we all have within us this inner genius. And, um, you know, in unity, we have so many names for God, right? So besides God, there's, you know, the universe, there's life, there's uh, absolute power and presence, there's divine law, divine principle. But I have shared with you many times that my favorite understanding of God is as divine mind, this idea that we are all at one with divine mind, which carries within it every divine possibility that can exist. So Jesus shared a parable, the parable of the sower. How many of you remember the parable of the sower? Well, the parable of the sower, from my perspective, is talking about our oneness with divine mind and how we each receive divine ideas, but what do we do with those divine ideas, right? So the parable of the sower, the sower is divine mind, and the seed are those divine ideas that come down from divine mind, that we can download, if you will. And so in the parable of the sower, you will recall that the first seed fell down on the path, right? So the path that's hard and really offers no space for the seed to even take root, right? And so it is those places in my mind where a divine idea comes down and There is no opportunity for that divine idea seed to even take root within my consciousness because I am in the place of, I know. I know all I need to know. In that place of, I know all I need to know, I've created this hardness in my mind that will not allow any other possibility to exist. I know all I need to know about this moment in my life. I know all I need to know about this situation. I know all I need to know about this relationship. I know all I need to know about those bleeding heart liberals, or I know all I need to know about those right-wing Republicans. I know all I need to know. And as we stay stuck in that place of all I need to know, we are like that path that is so hard that no new idea can take root. And so in my life, I try to find those places where I am caught up in the I know all I need to know. And I know that there are those places in my mind that do exist. And so I'm in the the question of how can I enter the mystery in those places? You recall in the parable that the second place that those seed ideas came down were on the rocky soil, right? And what's the problem with the rocky soil? They, they, They begin to root, but the roots can't go deep, right, Sam? The rocks stops the roots from going deep. So it's like those truth ideas that come to us and, you know, when when life is good, it, it all flows and it all works and we get behind it, but the seeds of those ideas are not deep and so they are very quickly toppled over those ideas. You know, that's like fair weather 
spirituality, fair-weather unity. When we can sit here together and all proclaim, yes, yes, there's oneness, we are all one, God is good, life is good all the time, right? And we're growing, this is wonderful, and then, boom, something happens. A relationship challenge, a health challenge, a a work challenge, a fill-in-the-blank challenge, someone cuts us off in traffic, somebody doesn't, you know, isn't kind to us, doesn't say thank whatever, whatever it is. And in those moments, we forget that we have these truth principles that we need to water and we need to nourish and we need to take care of so that the roots can go deep. And instead, the roots stay shallow. And so those divine ideas can't impact our lives. And then, of course, the third place the the seeds fall in this parable are on soil that's good, that the seed grows, but they're quickly choked out by weeds. Quickly choked out. So on truthunity.org, when we look at what is the metaphysical interpretation of that, they say that those weed uh, thoughts are um, those places of greed and selfishness within us. You know, so we are here to serve the will of God, to let those divine ideas flourish in our life, but then we get caught up in our own thoughts of self. And we don't let those ideas move out into the world. So so we spend a lot of time in unity talking about self-transformation, and self-transformation is good, but it's not enough, right? Those seed ideas need to not only transform ourselves, but then move out into the world to transform the world, or it is just as good as simply falling on soil that quickly gets choked out with the weeds. And then finally, of course, we have the seeds that fall in good soil, right, that can grow and transform and prosper our lives. And those are the ideas that we're wanting to talk about today. So we know that we are all one with divine mind. We know that we have the power to receive divine ideas. And we know that it is up to us to give ourselves over to those divine ideas so that the good can be revealed. So how can we awaken within us that inner genius so that when the question is asked, do you have an inner genius, you unanimously say, of course. I experience that every day in my life. And so the questions that we ask are very important. The first question that we ask is, is there another way to approach this? So Albert Einstein said something like, I'm going to paraphrase, but something like, you cannot solve a problem at the same level of consciousness which created the problem. Isn't that apparent? Do you see the gridlock in Washington? Right? We're trying to solve the problem at the same level that created the problem, and it will not work. Where am I in my life trying to solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created the problem to begin with? Where are we as a world doing that? Where can we let go of, you know, the the way that the world thinks so that we can make room for a new idea? So several years ago at a Unity convention, I had the pleasure of hearing as our keynote Lynn Twist. And Lynn Twist does work with the Pachamama Alliance, and years ago also did work with the Hunger Project. And the Hunger Project is around um, creating a world in which there is no more hunger in the world, right? Which sounds like a pretty lofty goal. 
You cannot solve that problem, though, at the level of consciousness that created that problem. So here's the way the story went. At the time, Lynn was a fundraiser for the Hunger Project, and so she went to a company to uh, raise some funds, and this company, a big company, had some kind of a public image problem. They had made a big mistake. And they had a public image problem. And so the way that they decided that they could correct their public image project was to make a large donation to a good cause. Solving the problem at the same level of consciousness that created that problem. So Lynn went there and shared with this executive her story of the Hunger Project and what an impact it was having on the world. And that executive just kind of sat there listening but not really listening and at the end opened the drawer, pulled out a check for $50,000 already made out and handed it to Lynn. And at the time, it was the largest check she had ever received for the Hunger Project. And she realized in that moment that what she should have been feeling was excitement, exuberation. This is so wonderful. I've received the largest check, the largest donation I've ever received. But you cannot solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created the problem. And she felt that. She felt a sense of emptiness within her when she received that $50,000 check. And then she got on a plane and she flew to New York City where she was going to be making another presentation in Harlem in a small church in their basement. And gathered there were a group of people that clearly did not have a lot. And again, Lynn shared about the Hunger Project, about the vision of, you know, eliminating world hunger. And these people listened. And at the end, Lynn knew that she had to come into this ask for money. And in her mind, she's thinking, Boy, I don't know if I can do this. I know these people don't have a lot of money. But she cannot solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created the problem. And Lynn asked. And the room was silent. Until one woman stood up and reached into her purse and said, This is what I have. I have $50. I earned this today, but I believe in the work that you're doing, and I want to give this to you. And in the end, in that room, in that church basement, Lynn raised $500. And what she recognized and what she realized was that the intention behind the $500 that she received was pure and it was good and it was wanting to solve this problem at a level above the problem. And she knew that what she needed to do was return that $50,000 check. And so she did. Years later, Lynn got a letter from that executive. And that executive said how surprised he was that she had returned that $50,000 check, but that that return of that check had impacted him so greatly. And it had stuck with him that she was able to do this. And so now he was retired, and he had been so impacted by this that he now, from his heart, wanted to contribute to the, the Hunger Project. And he gave her a check that was many times more than that original $50,000. Now, Lynn had to be willing, right, to turn down what looked like an amazing gift because she recognized that she could not solve this problem at the level that created it and that all that that check represented was guilt and shame and a desire to fix something. And that that's not what the Hunger Project is about. 
And so I ask you in your life, where are you trying to address an issue, a situation, an experience in your life at the same level that created that problem to begin with? And to recognize that if you allow the divine idea to take root, to take seed in your life in the good soil of your consciousness, it may require that you have to let go of some things that you thought would make sense. Like a $50,000 donation. The second question that we're looking at is, what assumption am I making? So how many of you have read, you know, the four agreements? Don't make assumptions, right? I think maybe you guys even did that as a fall book study at one, at one time. So I am really aware that these questions, some of you may have been asking these questions, these types of questions for a long time. You may be saying, oh, yeah, I've got that. Some of you may be hearing these questions for the first time and taking these ideas in. Wherever you are, know that these questions can speak to you because if, if you have been focused on not making assumptions, then asking this question again allows you to see, well, how am I doing? Am I still making assumptions in my life? I know that I'm still making assumptions in my life. Right? So can I be aware of where am I making assumptions? Where am I filling in the blanks, thinking that I know? So this is a story that came upon my uh, Facebook feed just this morning, and I thought it was so powerful, and it so illustrated the idea of making assumptions and letting an idea from divine mind take root in my mind with letting assumptions go. So here's the story. How many of you ever gotten a message, email, or a, 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 a message through Facebook or something where it's somebody from somebody in Africa, a message coming from somebody in Africa saying, you know, we need your money, right? Send us your money, right? Anybody aware of those? Right, right. So this is what happened. This gentleman got one of those instant messages from somebody in Liberia asking for money. And, of course, the assumption is immediately this is a scam. And probably most of the time it is. Maybe even this one was. But this person decided, you know what, let me just take this a little further. Let me just have a little conversation here because if nothing else, I'll keep this person busy with me so that he's not out scamming other people, right? And so he asked the question, um, uh, uh, would you, what do you need? And it came back, well, I need money. You know, we have a need here in my village. And he said, well, I'm a photographer, type this back, I'm a photographer, and if you will send me pictures from your village, from life there in Liberia, I will send you money in exchange for those pictures because I can use them as a photographer. And so he did get back a couple of pictures. They were pictures that were clearly taken like on an old flip phone or something. They were out of focus and they were too dark or too light. They, they really didn't work. And this photographer, rather than, you know, shutting the whole thing down again, went further and bought a little digital camera and shipped this little digital camera to Liberia and said, here is a digital camera that I want you to use and I want you to practice. Pay attention to the subject. Pay attention to the light. Again, take me pictures of life there in Liberia and I will compensate you for those. And so the pictures started coming. And the pictures were actually quite good. 
And then he realized, well, now I have to follow through on my part, right? I said that I would send him money if, if he sent me pictures. And so what he decided to do again as he got still and as he listened and as he moved his assumptions aside, what he heard was, I'm going to create a book called By the Grace of God and fill it with these pictures that this man in Liberia had sent and then put these up for sale for $10. And he raised enough money that he was able to um, have $500 to send back to this man in Liberia. And so he asked, well, what would it be? What would you do if you received this $500? And the man replied, well, I would help the smallest of children in our town to be educated. So I would be able to buy them uh, supplies that they need, backpacks and paper and pencils and those sorts of things. And so with complete trust, with complete faith in all of this, He went to Western Union, and he sent $500 to this man in Liberia. And what he got back were pictures of children with big smiles on their faces, hugging backpacks filled with supplies, releasing the inner genius, setting aside our assumptions. Now, let me also preface this by saying that Sure, we need to engage in wisdom, right, and discernment about whether or not this is something that is real and something that I should be involved in. He did not just immediately send over $500, but he worked. He built a relationship with this person on the other side of the world, setting aside his assumptions, and he made a difference in a village in Liberia by being willing to do that. So where do our assumptions stop us from allowing that creative genius to give us a divine idea that we can take and make a difference in the world? The last question that we're invited to explore is, what if they were wrong? Well, who's the they? Right? The they that tells you you can't. The they that tells you you're too old. The they that tells you you don't have enough money. The they that tells you this will never make a difference in the world. The they that tells you that the world is just doomed and what are you bothering to try for. That they. Right? And so the story that I have to tell you about the they and what they tell you is the story of Marshall Stewart Ball. Anybody know of Marshall Stewart Ball? So Marshall Stewart Ball was about six months old when his parents realized something was seriously wrong because they could see that other babies Marshall's age were able to sit up and move around and roll over, and Marshall couldn't do any of those things. And so they took Marshall to a, a neuro, not many neurologists to try to figure out what was wrong with him. They received many diagnoses, all of which were wrong, but in the end they told his parents, Marshall's parents, that Marshall was likely severely mentally disabled, that they would never be able to communicate with him, that he likely had no thoughts that were even worth communicating because of his mental disability. That's what they told Marshall's parents about Marshall. But they continued to read to Marshall, to talk with Marshall, to play with Marshall. And when he was three and a half years old, they had a little toy that made animal sounds. And much to his parents' surprise, one day they asked Marshall, what sound does a cat make? 
And Marshall couldn't use his hands or anything, but what he could do is reach down with his head and push the button that made the meow sound. It was the first time ever that Marshall communicated with them. They thought maybe it was just a fluke. So they asked him again, and again he pushed the cat sound, and then he went through every sound that he was given, and he was able to identify the sound of each of the animals, and his parents knew that Marshall had been listening and that Marshall wanted to communicate with them. They spent over 200 hours with a neurologist who tested Marshall and in the end decided that Marshall was not actually mentally challenged, but that he was instead mentally gifted. He eventually got an alphabet board where he was able to begin to uh, painstakingly, letter by letter, offer sentences and ideas, and he was filled with that. his mother eventually published a book called Kiss of God. And at five years old, one of the things that Marshall wrote out was called Altogether Lovely. God is good and merciful because he is also bright and intelligent, seeing, feeling all that is true. Clearly, he feels and listens to all of our desires. Clearly, he has everybody's dreams in mind. I see a God altogether lovely. Marshall is now over 30 years old and continues to offer these beautiful ideas to us. This book is filled with them, of this altogether lovely God. The world out there would have had us believe that there was no hope for Marshall, that he couldn't even think. And they would have limited him. How many things do you allow yourself to be limited by because they out there have said you are limited? And are you willing to set those ideas aside, to open your mind to the idea that you are one with divine mind, one with divine idea, one with all possibilities? Are you willing to do that? Because one, we come here week after week and talk about creating a world that works for all beings. I am not talking about some airy-fairy idea that sounds good. I'm talking about a very real possibility as we allow our inner genius to rise above the level of the problem and come up with possible solutions. And so if you will join me in that, then I'm going to invite you to open up your bulletin and find that right and perfect question that is in there for you this week to think about and to explore. And mine is, what assumptions am I making? What is yours? We have the color russet, by the way. People have asked, what color is russet? Well, (laughs) it could be burgundy, it could be rust, it could be brown. I tried to just get them all in my dress here. But it's that power of release, right? It's that ability to release that thought which does not serve me. So what assumption am I making are being willing to release those thoughts of, of assumptions that do not serve me in this moment, that do not allow that creative genius to be revealed in my mind. 
so if you are willing to explore your question, to release the inner genius in your mind, I invite you to take a pen, and if you need a pen, our ushers are ready to pass those out. If you need a card because you didn't get one, raise your hand for that, too, and they can bring those around. And I'm going to invite you to sign that and then to place one in the offering basket and to take one home and to display it somewhere. And when you look at that, I want you to think about these three stories that I've shared today. Stories that have moved us beyond the problem and beyond the assumptions and beyond what they say into the possibility of this moment. And if it was possible for each of these people, it is possible for you. Everybody willing? Beautiful. Beautiful. So next week, we have our final week of our fall program. And what I want to do as we ask ourselves questions uh, to be successful is I want to show the success that this community has brought to our current community outreach project, which is to support families in the Westlake area who are currently experiencing a challenge, and we are going to be providing uh, resources to give them Thanksgiving baskets. So there is information in your bulletin about what you can bring. If everybody just brings one thing, one thing, one canned good, one box of cake, one box of cereal, one something, if everybody brings one thing and we can see this whole stage filled up, yeah? I want to end today with one more uh, of Marshall's poems because his book, this is so powerful. And It's about choice, right? We all have the ability to choose the thoughts that we hold to allow that inner genius to come forth. So this is Marshall's poem on choices are yours. The now I give to a good thinker. Go to feelings that give good to others. You make the choice to think good or bad. Real true thoughts go to happy givers. Begin now make good choices. Thank you for making good choices. Be blessed.